episode 80 of the Inside Jogging Podcast, another big show coming at you with news from New Zealand or some doping news from New Zealand and Zane Robertson. We've also got a transgender ruling from World Athletics, plus there's been plenty of fast racing across the country and into Wales with 10k in Cardiff and the half marathon in Wormslow to talk about. But for all of that, in a week where the clocks went forward, let me introduce to the show a man who's always moving forward, never taking any steps backwards. How's life still in Spain, Joshua? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, last week, this week now, so uh, not looking forward to coming back, to be quite honest. Did the clocks change in Spain too? Yeah, they did. So you're still an hour ahead? Yeah, so it's, we're starting recording, it's 9.15. Well, <laughs> apologies. Um <laughs> When you have a child, you understand. It did take me 15 minutes to get out of her room after I put her to bed. And these two were left to talk amongst themselves, which doesn't look like it went down too well. Anyway, <laughs> let's welcome to the show my other co-host this evening, who, yeah, I mean, also this week, I saw there's a ruling on a ban of nitrous oxide. And this man doesn't need any funny gas, although he does need a bit of a bit of gas in him because he's not going anywhere fast. How's life in Lincoln, Shane? Um, I actually have gone very fast this week, so life is in the fast lane. There you go. Let's uh, crack on into the training weeks. Uh, we'll go to you first this week, Josh, after we had to start without you last week. So we'll we'll go into you first, and I'll try not to grill you too much this week. Thanks. <clears throat> cool. Um, so day before the start of this week, I had that quite a big session. So it was the 24 miler with the 16 in the middle, faster than marathon pace. Um, but I came off that pretty well, actually. So in the morning on Monday, I did six miles, 625s. And then in the evening, I ran uh, with Lucy Reed, did uh, six miles again, 636s. Then Tuesday evening, this was a bit of a, not a, disaster but it was a bit of an annoying run really so i was running in the pegasus and then they're just niggling my foot slash ankle sort of area so i did 16 at sixes but i actually stopped to change my shoes at 11 miles um because it, it was just it wasn't un- it wasn't painful but it was just uncomfortable um uh, yeah it wasn't great you have a pair of shoes out on route then just waiting for you i i, I just bought uh Oh no! I still had some invincibles. No, I ran back to the house, um, okay. and then I, uh, and then I, yeah, I bought a new pair on Wednesday. <laughs> um, then Wednesday morning I ran uh, again six miles, six twenty fours, and whilst I was, I can't remember what I was doing. I think I went to make a cup of tea. I got Strava. Uh, I was what you used to call fraping. Uh, Josh Griffiths jumped on my work laptop and changed my run to. Ran too fast again, sorry, Aaron. Which I didn't realise until someone tagged him in it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, somebody did tag me in it, didn't they? Uh, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to recover run in the morning. In the evening, had an easy run. So, six miles, 5.59s. Uh, 
Then Thursday, I had a session. Um, so I did three mile warm-up, 622s. And then the session was 3K, 2K, 1K, 1K, 2K, 3K, 3K, 2K, 1K. And the recovery was 1K float. I'm not going to go too into the paces because the recovery was different depending on the rep, but it was only about two to three seconds a K. Um, so the aim was, uh, from memory, 9.15, no, sorry, 9.25 for the three, uh, 6.12 for the two, and 3.05 for the one. Um, so before we get into splits, I actually stopped uh, midway through the second three minute. Um, my car started to get quite tight, and I was just a little bit probably over-cautious, and I think... Given we're four weeks out from London now, I think that's probably the right decision to make um, because I've still got 10 miles to sort of work in. And I just don't want to... I'm not worried about my fitness, but I'm more worried about not making the start line now. So, I mean, and that, that doesn't mean like anything's bad by any means. I just didn't want to make anything worse. Um, so, yes, yeah, so my splits were... So the first float was 327. And then the first 3K, I actually felt so, so bad. I debated stopping. I was like, I might just move this to tomorrow. And so I ran 9.24, which, I mean, was literally what I was meant to run. I just felt really, really, really sluggish. Um, my next float was 3.29. Then I went 6.11, 3.22. And then I, the next, it was funny because I did that 3K, felt terrible. The 2K felt okay. Well, as soon as I put a little bit of pace into my legs, I felt pretty good. Um so I ran 303 for that and I actually backed off a little bit the last sort of probably 400. Uh, then the, that float was 323. Next hard one was 304. Uh, then 320 for the float, 612, 322. And then I stopped uh, 700 meters into that three minutes. So I, I was annoyingly at the furthest point away that I could be. It's about four miles out. So I had to run back we left quite late because um, I was working in the day and it was pitch black. It's on a canal path, which there's nothing around. So Josh and Johnny actually got a little bit worried um, and actually got in the car and drove down the canal, which I was quite grateful for because my calf was quite tight. I couldn't actually see anything. Um, so I did just over four mile warm down. Um, but by, I mean, by warm down, I was just running back. So yeah, that was the evening. I mean, even with the uh, like abandoned the, the rest of it, I still did ten miles at five tens. Um, so it, by it wasn't a disaster by any means. Um, then Friday, um, I had physio again. So I've been trying to. I've probably been averaging like one and a half physios a week for the last month. Um, so yeah, I tried to just keep on top of things. Um, and it, yeah, it seemed okay. So I did six miles. Oh, sorry, actually, that was Saturday. I didn't run on Friday. I had the day off. Saturday, I did six miles at six twelve, uh, six seventeens, and it took about a mile for my Achilles to warm up. But then it was pretty. I can really feel it. It was pretty good. Uh, and then Sunday was a bit of a logistical disaster, to be honest. So I did twenty four miles, average five fifty fours, and we went out and back on a single canal you can't really go wrong so johnny hopkins uh is here as well and it was quite warm so we we were running at just got gone 10 but it got up to by the time i finished it was about 27 degrees josh was biking with me and he 
had my drinks. So he gave me one at three miles, fine. Give me one at six miles. And he said, I'm going to nip back and give Johnny one. But Johnny was running a fair bit slower. And I didn't see Josh again until 20 miles when I was stood under a bridge, sheltering from the sun, because I was absolutely cooked. So luckily, I think so basically what happened was there's one bridge you need to take and he missed it. He went on a slightly smaller canal. Um, so yeah, it was a disaster. So I then sort of made sure I had a bit of a drink. This was about 20 miles and I didn't feel good. I said to him, I was like, I'm like, I'm death marching right now. Because I was just thinking I was just really, really, really dehydrated. Um, and I got to 22 miles and was like, have another drink. And I just, I, I didn't even have the drink. I was like, I can't. And I literally chundered mid-run. Didn't stop. We carried on going. Um, yeah, it was awful. And then he was like, just tip some water over your head. I was like, I've only got more. And he was like, just tip it over your head. So I had 320 all over my face. It was horrendous. <laughs> we got we got back to the car. And yeah, I was not in a good way. But the funny thing was, I thought I was about seven minute miling that last mile. And I don't have a, a lap on my watch. I only ran 5.58, which really was not a disaster considering how I felt. Because I genuinely started to feel a little bit like Callum at the Gold Coast. And I was not, yeah, really not in a good way. Um, so, yeah, that was my Sunday run. But Johnny was nice and hydrated for his 13 miles at seven minute mile. Um, interestingly, your, your heart rate's now come back on for the last few runs. And I know... Yes, it has. Um, is it wrist? It is wrist, yeah. But it it does show how warm it was on Sunday because not saying it's by any means hundred percent accurate, but the actual graph of it looks pretty pretty good. There's a apart from between miles twenty and twenty two where it obviously is incorrect, but you'd sort of got up Probably to hide under a bridge. Like one seventy, which is pretty high when you compare you look at your other runs and they look about about right on your easy runs you're like 140 so yeah you were obviously feeling the effects of that sun pretty pretty bad um because you're normal i was just really dehydrated really yeah, really it dehydrated shows, it shows the damage it does though doesn't it to yeah so rob actually gave me a calculator to use uh for when it's hot again um and it worked out i should probably add about 12 seconds a mile uh, onto the, or just like go slower, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably be fine with drinks. But did Callum not use that we one knew. in the Gold Coast? Then <laughs> he's he's too hard for it. Um, so was the plan to run just steady for the whole long long run? Yeah, just like normal sort of easy easy pace really. So, um, there was no like pickups or anything. Um, and that's so, I yeah. Think longest you'll do at yeah 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 no so now now i've got a, i won't go to 24 anymore um i think this weekend's 22 but it's a session and then i think the week after is 18 yeah sounds about right um now i did have a message in from josh griffiths on a scale of bruno bruno fernandez to a newborn baby how much will josh long cry about missing a few drinks on his long run 
Um, yeah, it was. It, I I was not not too impressed. My, when my I saw him, I was like, was, "What does he need drinks for on an easy run anyway?" For he's barely breathing, and he's given me a gif of Jose Mourinho saying, "I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in trouble." <laughs> so, you know, so to be fair, he did twenty eight the week before, and he had one drink. That was it. Which is, I, yeah, mind-boggling to why, me, but there we go. Why did you go so late, having just just because everyone was going at that time? Yeah, because Johnny and Josh go to bed at one in the morning. And the clock's went forward. Exactly. Not ideal. Yeah, yeah, not ideal at all. What was your week? In yeah, uh, only 87, because I was meant to have 12 and 6 on the Saturday um, but Rob just told me to do six, and then obviously I didn't run on Friday, so and cut Thursday shorter. So <laughs> Achilles feeling better now? Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I would say it's still a little bit niggly, but I would say it's been niggly for probably six months, and it's actually not the worst it's been in this block by any means. I think I'm just probably more aware of it because we're getting closer to the race. Like the the first, uh, so the Saturday I ran a Battersea Park before I came out here. That was by far worse. Um, so yeah, it's it's just something. I, I think my calf's just actually tight, um, so I've been trying to sort of get into that. But my the it's funny when I went to the physio, she said my Achilles itself is the best it's been. She said there's the least inflammation in it since she's seen me, which I found quite interesting. Yeah, I have no idea if that's. I suppose that's good. It must be good. Anyway, but yeah, I... exactly. Do you have a question? You opened your mouth a minute ago. No, you. Are, I was going to ask about the Achilles, but you did it. So. Cool. All right, solid week. No grilling, Josh. You're off the hook. Um, Shane, as I've done no training, you can go for your week. Lucky me. Well, uh, mine, as always, started on Monday. And um, I've done this wrong, actually. So on Monday, I've already made a mistake with training diary. Um I obviously hadn't been to bed um, and I finished work and I thought, and the lads were running, they'd started a run just before I'd finished work, but not far from where I do work. So I was like, oh, I got them to loop back for me and I joined in for about probably just under 30 minutes. I've been to the shop and got some trainers, so I wanted to try them out. And I also figured, um, I didn't know what state I was going to be in, in tu- on Tuesday. So I figured I'd get in some miles while I was quite, I think I'd, I'd gone past the tightness point. I had quite a bit of energy. So I was like, I might as well get a run done. So that's quite nice. Um, I can't remember how far I ran. Was it? Four Just... miles. Sweet. Four miles. So um, Tuesday, yeah, the 10 miles, uh, 6.57s. Look at that. Off-road too. Off-road too. I can't actually remember where I ran for that. Comment. Oh yeah, so I I did um I met uh we did a, a a dog jog on the common, so but I ran a long way there and met Ronnie though who had both his dog and my dog, and then we went around that and the common was I'd managed to keep to the I did a lap of the common managed to keep the perimeter of it, and I was did a little bit extra when I was waiting for Ronnie, and the inside of the common was just all water it was horrendous so I was absolutely filthy and I had my lovely white Presio top on that's probably now ruined because I still haven't washed it. Yeah. I, well, I'll, I'll tell you about it in my week, but I I always get to this time of the year 
and I think start going off road a bit now. But it's actually at the work March, end of March is the work because it's warmed up and it's wet everywhere. It's just and we've had all that rain the past few weeks as well, um, which is a bit minging. And oh, as always in Lincolnshire, it's been so windy these last two weeks, so that's a bit miserable. Which takes us to Wednesday. Um, I've kind of used my time doing my essays and not sleeping as a bit of a break, to be honest. I kind of combine that with going into a couple of races. Um, so I figured I'm just going to sort of get my head down for two months, get myself on the Aaron Scott return to running patient zero plan and, uh, and maybe just sort of see where I'm at in a few months' time. I decided early on, sort of, well, decided last week that I wasn't going to do Wilmslow half, so I sort of had no pressure to go into that. So Wednesday, fitness build again. So the idea was a 30-minute aerobic tempo, and for anyone who's not sure what that is, it's basically sort of, for me, it's probably my two-hour threshold, so it's probably a bit quicker than where my marathon capability will lie at the moment. Um, That was well hard. And if I'm being, it was very, very windy, but if I'm being completely honest, where we did the loop, probably we had, we were probably wind assisted for about 20 minutes. You, you've you just said, and Josh has pulled me up on this before, where we did the loop, there is no loop involved. You've gone right, <laughs> loop. straight up, and then a bit left. You've, not, you've done a reverse C by the looks of it. It's only because I've split it from the warm-up. No, I'm I'm hovering over the 5.57, the 30-minute section, and in blue. Yeah, it's not a loop, no. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> not even if you carry in the cool-down because you finished in a different village. Did we? No, I we did. didn't. Uh, no, 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 we didn't. We did some stuff afterwards. Uh, so yeah. anyway. um, the tempo was wind-assisted, and it was like an inverted C, Probably wouldn't assist for most of it. I was I was hanging. What did annoy me though is I bought my heart rate monitor uh a few weeks back. And these are the runs that are like the only runs where I really do like and sort of need my heart rate data. And I left it at home. But my watch didn't look too far off in terms of what my wrist was giving me. And um I think, you know, back to what you said on Josh's week, I think they're a bit more accurate when it's warmer for whatever reason. So anyway, I think it was fairly reliable because it reached quite high towards the end and that was probably reflective of how I felt. After after a mile, I felt incredible because it was massive backwind. Yeah, so the- even Strava says it was 18.4 mile per hour, which you can double that probably. Um, this very much looks like a Tom Straw planning loop. Yeah, it was. He, he planned it, yeah. And the second ball, 2.38 on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> he is not a teacher. He's He's been lying to us. He's definitely like the janitor. Yeah, we, we're convinced he is now. He definitely is. The funny thing was, he was like, me, uh, um, he's, he set this route from here. I was like, I was a bit crushed for time. I had to get back to work for the evening. So he he suggested run from his. I was like, oh, does this mean you'll get there early? He's like, yeah, meet me there for half two. I got at half two and he still wasn't back. So, shocking. He had been doing some cleaning then. It must have been. Must have had a big spillage in the in the boys' toilets. So then afterwards, we did some 30-second uh, 
efforts, which range from 450 to 520. So rest of the week, pretty much was easy. Uh, 70 minutes on Thursday, 36 minutes on Friday, and then just under 70 minutes on Saturday. All of my easy runs this week have all been under a seven-minute average. Can you believe it? Now, is that due to it being windy in that you potentially will be running a bit quicker than set up with the wind and then when you go into it, you're forced to work a bit. You're already working hard as you might as well work. I don't know. So I had someone message me on, I think, Thursday or Friday and asked me if I was running faster, as in consciously. And I, and I wasn't. I don't look at my watch. I think it was Thursday. It was unbelievably windy. It was horrible. And uh, my on the way back, I did a sort of, uh, this was a loop, on the way back, was direct into a headwind for about four miles. And I looked at my pace in in the wind had dropped what like 20 seconds a mile and my heart rate had gone up like 10 beats per minute like it, it was it was so windy so i do think that like, i was trying to start my runs with a backwind because i did a lot of running on my own last week and i i realized i'm not very good at that getting out the door so i was trying to make it as easy as i can for myself so i, I do think a lot of it's from the wind uh, it might be my spanking new trainers um they're pretty bouncy uh, also, maybe I mean my legs generally felt pretty fresh, if I'm honest, because I didn't do much running the week before. So um, it might also be that my legs feel fresh. And uh, again, I'll, I'll hardly be doing any tough sessions. That being said, on Sunday we did two hours, and we wanted to do uh, a fair whack of it at Josh Lund pace. So we did 15 miles at probably around about six minute mile in, which felt nice. hard to begin with. Honestly, like the first two miles, I think. I mean, again, I missed, I didn't see any splits on my watch. I don't have them up. But I think they were like six tens and it was so hard. I was hanging. But by the end of it, by the end of it, I felt fine until the jog back, which was uphill. And Tom wanted to walk the steep hill bit, which I was on board with. And after that, I felt awful. So, jog back after six minute mile. That's criminal. No, but to be fair, the. What, did, what hill have you got? Have you actually gone up steep? You've gone up. Um, you know, you know the passageway next to the common. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, we we go up that. Look at the Strava graph, and it's literally just straight up. <laughs> it's horrible. I think Tom didn't like it because he felt good at the start of the run, and once we got down a canal path, he felt crap, and I felt good, and I <laughs> I wouldn't slow down for him. <laughs> I I told you it was a Josh Lund run in every way. Yeah. Cool. I thought you'd be proud of me for that, Josh. Try and drop yeah, everyone. good. Well done. But overall, I think I was about... Um, I did do another client on Friday morning, but that was in vans, so I'm not going to count that. So I think overall... Jesus. I was just... <laughs> so overall, I was just under 70 miles for the week. Uh, average of 6.37. That's you much better, Shane. You won't, you won't see that very often. What, um, what new shoes have you bought? I got some. Oh, what are the vans? <laughs> yeah, test out my new vans. How how quick do you think you could uh, do a a twenty four mile in vans, Josh? Oh, I don't think you'd finish it, would you? Surely, yeah. My Achilles would snap. So I think I think I went out. I think we did just over two miles, and by the end of it, my toe would already start to blister. My big toe it was horrible. Horrendous. You know, I, just... 
I did my first 10k in a pair of do you remember Adidas martial arts? They were like a yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a 10k in them. <laughs> yeah, but you run. That's probably why when we're. <laughs> um, what did you ask, Josh? I can't remember. Uh, what was the trainers you bought? Oh, trainers. Yeah, I bought some Saucony Triumph, but they've got the fancy foam in. I think it's basically it's now their version of like a Nike Infinity. Um, invincible, do you mean? Invincible, invincible, invincible yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, rate them, like them. So far, anyway. Are they yes. as unstable as the invincible? No, they're way, way more stable. I don't even think the invincible is that bad. I think I, I would like the invincibles, but when I got the invincible ones, honestly, I rolled my ankle like three times in them, and one of them was bad. So I just can't. Them are them are walking shoes now. Weak ankles. Shall I go into my week because it won't take long? Um, it was time, yeah. So Monday, just before we recorded the podcast, in fact, I somehow I was meant to go out at like four o'clock, and it got to ten past five, and I was like, I really need to go now because I wanted to do uh ten miles, but. We were recording, I think, at quarter past six. So unless I did six-minute miling, it wasn't going to happen. And like I was just saying a minute ago, I also went off-road for a lot of this. And there was one point when I was coming back off the meadows, which is like a big field. And there's a little trail which goes around the river and it bends like 90 degrees to the right. So I took that turn and sort of nearly went straight into the bush because I slid. So sort of overcorrected myself, but the other side is the river. And then I like slid through the mud and I had given up that I was going straight in the river. And I managed to hold, hold it together and I was like, what am I doing? Let's just walk this bit. So it, it was just, yeah, some parts of it just not run up well in I was in a pair of Invincibles, just not runnable in Invincibles, put it that way. So I did eight miles in the end at 7.07s, and there's a pretty decent hill in that. So I actually don't know what, I must have gone, oh, I went the other way, um, other way to normal, so there's a big downhill as well. Anyway, th- that, was, that was Monday, I felt pretty good. I... Came down with a slight cold on Tuesday and it's wiped me out all week. It's, and I actually um, have gone back to some long COVID research and I'm going to bore people because, yeah, it is boring. But the. Oh, I'm just going to put myself in the category of people. Yeah. (laughs) But there is science behind it now and it is your autoimmune system that's compromised and it can just keep yeah resetting and it's mainly brought on by stress and i think after my week of playing single parent it just probably tipped me over the edge and we did we were conscious of this and i did even take two days off not but again they weren't intentional rest days so it's not even like i benefited from the rest day because they were days when I intended to train, 
and thought about training and then just called off last minute. So, yeah, I think I just pushed myself over the edge. And I got back to running today and everywhere's sore from an easy run. My hip flexors, like six miles in, were so tight. It's almost like all everything tightens up, but it's not like, as I said in the past, you take you used to take a few days off and you could get straight back into running. It's quite difficult to get. I still don't feel, just, yeah, don't feel right. But anyway, it's not like I'm really badly ill. It's just one of those things. And I suppose I probably could have ran Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week. But as Shane mentioned, it was so disgusting outside. I just thought, is my first thought is, is this run, am I going to feel better from doing this run? And if it was nice, like 15 degrees outside, sunny, no wind, I would have probably done a run and probably felt okay off it. I just thought, if I go for a run in this, I'm going to feel so much worse and put myself in a bigger hole. So I, as much as I didn't want to, didn't, didn't run. So that's my week. And I'm not going to say much more about it because I know people are bored of listening to me talk about not running. So let's go to Strava leaderboard. And I'm excited because Kieran Walker has managed to get his top spot finally. He's banged in another 130 mile week and he's just claimed his top spot. Um, It's mad mm. because this week the top 14 are inside 100 miles. So... Plenty of work to be done, people. And just scrolling, scrolling down. First thing I noticed, Ronnie Richmond, 100 on the dot. He's definitely rounded up to make that 100.0. Christine has changed her emoji. Josh, are you on it? Uh, no, I can't. I'm on my phone, so I can't see. I, we still don't know her surname. She was Watermelon and was something else before that. She's now... Looks like some... Little Viking emoji. Anyway, I think she's top 90.6, unless anybody else has scrolled through this. Josh's average pace is terrible. 6.01. Yeah. I only did one half a session. What is criminal? What, what, just quickly, though, um, I had a message from a listener about the Kipchoge 80-20 method. And I presume you know what that is, Josh. Yeah. 80% easy running. Uh, oh, I thought it was 80 hard. <laughs> <laughs> based on based on the percentages, I thought, I'll just have a quick glance at Josh's week before, what method he's on. And I honestly think, I haven't done the numbers. I reckon Josh, so it's normally 80-20, you are on the two ninety eight method. Two <laughs> percent hard. Two percent easy. Ninety eight percent harder. What was the two percent easy? Uh, well, I've I calculated easy is over six thirty pace because that's what they've done for this other study. Oh, I. It's funny. I was having a conversation with Shane before you joined, and he said, "Oh, my weekly mileage this week is six thirty six or eight. I think he said. I've only done one run in Spain slower than that. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. That's uh. Listen, have you got any? Have you got any Strava things for us, Shane? Or you've been too busy? 
Oh, do you know? Um, come back to me. I think I did, but I might not have. Do, okay. do, do, do some questions first. We'll go to some listener questions then first. And I put it out there earlier today about its UK marathon season kicking off this weekend in Brighton. Any race tips that people potentially want? So we're going to split this over the next three weeks as we lead into London. So I'll try and answer. We will try and answer four or five of these now. So I'll try and pick some ones that, yeah, just first come on my screen. So first one comes in from Rye Licorice. said, if you're feeling good at your target pace on race day, what's a good mile to pick it up, if at all? Josh, you can answer. Uh, I, I would say I would be edged towards the latter of those, but I certainly would not be wanting to pick it up before 20 miles. Okay. And I would even extend that to no, but I think twenty miles is fair. If you can get to yeah, ten k to go, I would start. And you you're feeling really good, you could probably give it a little squeeze. But you could easily still go pop. Shane, any any wisdom you give your athletes? Yeah, from the gun, go hard from the gun, and just see what happens. Now, I don't think I'm experienced enough to uh, comment from personal. You'll tell people, though, what if they've got a goal and they're killing it, how do you talk them through that, what their goal pace is going to be like and what well, to do when different situations arise? Typically, we set a window. So I might be like, right, my objective opinion is this is the this is this is perfection. Um, and usually we don't go that fast. So similar to Josh, actually, I, I typically say once you're at the 20 mile mark, you probably know if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make it or not. Um, and if you feel good at that point and you think you can pick up, you pick up to the top of your performance window, if that makes sense. So like if, if you're, if you, if Josh's top, top target was like 510 or 505, and you chose to run 5.05.10s, I might be like, well, pick up to 5.05s. And then as you get close to the end. So, yeah, you, you just, as Josh said, though, the thing is you can feel great at 20. I've had athletes that felt great at 20. And at 22, they've been in a world of trouble and they've not even changed pace. It goes as quick as that. Yeah. So I've got a call with this guy tomorrow ahead of Brighton to discuss this very question. So I thought I'd get your answers and just tell him those. No, but um, it's especially relevant to him because last year he he was so good at progressing through runs. He actually um, went from about 240, I think 248 pace at 30k, almost 20 miles, and still got down to close to 245. So gained two minutes in that last 12k so i think in his mind he's thinking if i went a bit earlier would i have been able to get a bit more but i think the answer the answer is it's it, it is different for different people and if i take obviously i know myself best i a bit like josh don't think i can progress through a marathon and get quicker and quicker and quicker I don't know why I said quicker so weirdly just then. It went a bit quicker. Quicker and quicker. And 
so I'd always actually almost if I want to run two sixteen time in the bank not not as successful <laughs> as you but I would almost go at sort of sixty seven forty five ish maybe just a little bit quicker than that target pace especially if there's a group who are doing that and I've only once in a marathon felt good at thirty k. And then you can push on a bit from there, but I think it's so hard when you're running at your sort of almost limit to pick it up that far into a race. But I know it's doable, but I just think for for some people, Josh probably included, it's not maybe negative splits aren't always the way to go. I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think it's just different for different people. I I don't yeah, I think, not for me. I don't think, I don't think negative I think neg the only people who can properly negative split split over marathon is the people winning the races. And Clousey. Agree. Yeah, wow. I was going to say, I'm Yeah. R.I.P. Clousey was an absolute king at picking it up in the last... <laughs> I don't know how he did but, it. But I would go again and say, is that because he's sandbagged? Yeah, potentially. But he still ran pretty quick, didn't he? Um, which, on this note of actually picking up a marathon or not, um, it's reminded me of the... Strava idiot section. Go on. This title was Marathon Long Run. Ninety percent effort. <laughs> I know who that was. Yeah. I sent it to you. You did send that to me. 90%. You do not do. You do not do a marathon at ninety percent effort. And it was it two minutes off his PB. Yes. Interesting. That's uh, that's marathon hard. Oh, it was this pace. Oh, it was ninety percent off my PB. The next, question, the next question comes in from Emmeline Hughes again. And I think Emmeline Hughes is one of the people who berated us about our analysis of Barclay Marathon last week. It was terrible. And that was my fault because the article I had open was probably the worst written article I've ever read. And it was incorrect. Damien Hall did not finish the Barclay Marathon even though it told me it did. Anyway, we'll come to that in a minute. Emmeline says, Josh, specifically to you, but we can answer it. Will Josh run to the pace his coach sets or the pace he thinks he can run? I'm in a similar dilemma. So a bit like... For London? Yeah, for London, for the marathon. I don't think Rob would set me a pace. He won't. Would he not set you a window? Just Uh, Maybe a window, but I think it'll be how I feel on the day. Would be my guess. So how are you going to gauge that? Well, how I feel. So you're going to just go out and what? No, no, no. So, I mean, all the training has been geared to a sort of a rough pace. Mm-hmm. So if that pace feels way too quick, it's likely it's way too quick on the day. So when, I don't when, think... When would you make that judgment if it feels just... Probably like 10k in, I reckon. I think that's sensible. So I think, like, for for an example, last time I did London, I had a rough. I mean, you've got to have a reasonable window, and you've been. You should you should roughly know what you're going to run, or have at least a good idea. Uh, and I went a little bit quicker, which was a two fourteen group, and I knew pretty early on that I felt a bit too quick, and I thought I'll give it a bit of time. And they actually came back to me, and at fifteen k, I was like. 
I have to let this go because I cannot sustain this. So I would imagine it'd be very similar. But I mean, if he says, don't go faster than this, which I'm very confident he won't say that, um, I I would stick to what he said. Okay. I'm just so gonna... It'll be very dependent on groups as well. There's a scenario out there, not saying that would ever happen. If he said, I want you to go at 4.55 pace, or even let's say five minute pace, I want you to go at five minute pace, and you thought in your heart of hearts that you're probably 5.05 pace, would you still give that five minute go of pace until 10k? Oh, that's a hard one. I I would probably probably to start with because I think you can go. I think I could probably go 10k at five minute miling and probably save it. I think if you're going to half at that pace, I think it's game over. Yeah. Well, yeah, Let's not show. completely game over, but should we get in Rob's ear and? Convince Josh to go at four fifties. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he won't tell me a pace. No. I think no, would no, leave that I don't to think. Me. I don't think a coach would tell you to go much, much quicker. You, it will always be always what you've trained at, roughly. So, I think yeah. um, I'm just going to jump in very quickly. What what I try and do with my marathon runners is like now, if not earlier than now, is the time where I start to try and get my runners to have an idea of actually what pace they are capable of mm. between the two of us. I, may, I It's an open conversation that I don't know exactly where they are. Mm. I'm trying to find that out, but that's also their job as well. But I might be like, this is what I think you're capable of. This is why, right? You've got this session next. Think about how you feel. Think about, can you sustain this for a marathon? Think about how, what that relates to you. So I think in trying to decide what, pace to go out like now is a very good time if you're doing like a, a spring marathon or brighton or manchester or london yeah but i do th- i do find it interesting uh, going back to the approach that nick used to have with me it was it was almost like i was sometimes too cautious and he was yeah. almost trying to make me believe that no and i have it with some of my athletes like do you not think that that well, needed to come earlier though well it, it sort of did but not in explicit terms it was like you could you again the sessions were a window of marathon pace i think you can run 5 to 10 to 15 and i would probably go at 5 15 just play it a bit safe and therefore i just think it probably knew me as a runner and thought if you do play it safe you'll never run as quickly as maybe you could Whereas if you do take, it's not, but it's still a risk, but it's not massive risk. I still, there is, I think sometimes when you look at what Josh does, there is some sense in taking a few of those risks because if you don't try it, I don't think you ever know. I think there's also like from what you described, Josh, and a lot of your longer sessions, it's also about, you know, on race day, you might, you might hit a state of flow. If you hit a state of flow and you're rolling faster than, pace then yeah I'm with it. yeah that doesn't always happen that often and in my opinion it it can be worth the risk so yeah i mean i know it's not a marathon but when i ran my half pb i would never have dreamed of going through the pace i went through and i ran probably a, a well over a minute faster than i thought would be the best result of the day mm. so if, if i'd have gone off my watch what i thought was sensible then that would have never happened yeah absolutely 
I think that is an important point to make is you shouldn't be so driven by your watch that you're almost trying to run the exact split each time. You've got to, you know, some miles going to be slightly slower, some are going to be slightly quicker, depending on if there's a bit of wind or whatever. you just got to go with that flow. You've got to get in that rhythm rather than try and hit exact splits every every mile. I'm actually debating wearing a watch at London. Genuinely. I really they're, think they're not well on, kind of. The problem with London is they're on the mile markers, aren't they? Um, I know they're the 5Ks. I don't know about the miles. Oh, is it 5Ks? I, I, I wouldn't even be worried about working that out. I'd look at the 5Ks and I roughly would know. But I just don't think I need the pace to know the pace. No, I don't think you do either. So if you're experienced enough and you're not trying... Yeah, I, I can tell you if it feels too fast. Exactly. I don't need my watch to tell me. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, last one, Scott Cousins. I don't know if he's doing Manchester or London. Do you know? Uh, no. I think it's London. Top breakfast while staying in a hotel. I've just got a kettle in the room. How long before do I start stop eating? Josh, do you eat? <laughs> For a mile, it's horrible. For a mile, and I remember I made this big mistake naively at Frankfurt. Um, I just assumed they'd have porridge, but they didn't. So I ended up just having a bit of bread, which I don't think was the didn't set my day up to go well. And I think the rest of that was uh, probably solid. Uh, followed suit. Um, I think if you're if you're staying in a hotel, I think the best bet would probably be just get some porridge pots or something. I mean, I think it's very dependent on what you practiced as well. Um, so in um, where did I race recently? Rome. I had some cereal in a champagne cooler with some milk. <laughs> you got to improvise. Was it milk? That that reminds me of a cross country. I think I did once up in Warrington, and I had a a mug full of cocoa pops. I've also seen Chain have a mixing bowl full of cocoa pops. Oh, that was that was when we we had Sunderland and asked for a bowl, and they didn't know what a bowl was. They told me to ask for a dish. And any northeast uh, listeners like to clarify that. Um, yeah, I I think uh, you know if you're in a hotel and you've got a marathon, just take a big box of pop tarts and fill your boots. I, I think. I think what Josh said is it's what you've practiced, isn't it? Like I would always take porridge pots because I always eat porridge, and I I eat quite a lot on marathon race morning. Josh doesn't eat as much. I know most people just have some toast and banana, and they're okay. So it's really what you've practiced off. Is I don't think there's any hard and fast rules. Um, and I I eat about two hours before. I know people eat four hours before. <laughs> It's, yeah, I'd be nearer for. You've got to practice that, I'd say. Yeah, um, and I'd I'd make sure. So I would be having uh, like a carb drink as well. Yes, yeah, that's why I mentioned to a lot of people is, especially in those days before, top up your carbs with just some Morton or a carb drink. Easy way to get hydrated and carbs in. Um, okay, so the last one is for Die Craig. He said, could he get a good luck, Dave Craig, at the Great Welsh Marathon on Sunday? There's your good luck. Good luck, Dave Craig. 
Yeah, good luck. Whatever is the Welsh uh, marathon? You can Google that while I start the news if you want. Is it Newport? Might not be. Anyway, um, could, could it be? let's go to the news then because there's a couple of big stories before I get into race results. First of all, at the weekend, I actually saw it first on the BBC News. It was breaking news. And then World Athletics have announced significant changes. Well, it was actually on Thursday. So maybe it was Thursday I saw it. Who knows about last week. That will determine who gets into uh, major races in the future. World Athletics banned all male to female transgender athletes who have been through puberty from competing in international events. I know there's a couple of athletes who have been in the Olympics. I think there was a Nyon Sabre and Christine M. Boma. Are they 800, I think? Um, Nyon Sabre. I think he moved up to 3K as well. Yes. So I think they've got... um, they're the wrong side of whatever this new rule is. So interesting that athletics have made that move before. I think a lot of other sports have. I know there's been a lot of sports thinking about it. Does anyone want to give an opinion or should we move on? Probably. Yeah, I think we move no, on. I'm not educated enough in that. Think, well, I don't think either of us are, but I think, I think it's a good shout, really. It's a tricky it's one. It's got to but... be, isn't it? I mean, okay. Well, the first, the first part of it, with obviously those athletes who have had sex changes since puberty, that that's an obvious one. So yeah, that's good. It's it is the second, you know, the these athletes who, um, it, you know that like where it's just a natural difference in hormone levels like it's hard because it isn't it's fact is it's an advantage over the field and it's in my eyes it's a little bit similar to doping really even though it's not necessarily a an act of cheating but then the choice is it's a bit so the dsd do you know what that stands for is it testosterone some sort of testosterone no that's differences of sexual development So DST athletes um, must keep their testosterone levels below 2.5 for a minimum of 24 months. The normal level for women is considered to be between 0.3 and 2.4. Under the previous policy, they had to keep it below 5. So I just think it's the fairest solution. I know it's an uncomfortable type of situation, but you've got to protect women's sport at some level i think it's the fairest solution um whether or not i don't know whether or not you can start uh playing around with your testosterone levels in the sense of all right well well can you train high with higher testosterone and just make sure whenever your tests are can you suppress it i I don't know but i think that's the other danger is is it opening another side of tampering with uh levels of testosterone which again is a form of cheating, really, isn't it? A form of doping. So into doping, the news of Zane Robertson broke shortly after we recorded last week's podcast. Um, and he quickly went onto another podcast to explain himself somewhat. 
Have either of you, you two listened to it? Yeah, I've listened to it. What do you think, Josh? Uh, I don't believe a word he says, to be honest. In what I think all, well, when he says it's just, it's why he started doing it. The way, I mean, this is completely my own opinion, but when he says they started thinking about it 10 years ago, I think in my head, he's just confirmed he started doing it 10 years ago. Um, and I think something came out today or yesterday that he smuggled EPO. He admitted that he smuggled EPO from Ethiopia to Kenya as well. Well, that was, I mean, I've not actually listened to it. And so I think he said on there that it was a one-off that he did. Yeah, that. yeah, but exactly. I also, like you heard, he moved the EPO from one country to another and then forgot that he had it in his fridge or something. but Yeah, you, yeah it was in his fridge for a long time. If you've moved it from one country to another, you definitely would know about it. Um, yeah, well, let's put it this way. If you just think about, about it absolutely statistically, if you've taken it once and you've got caught that one time, you're a very unlucky person. Yeah. And, I mean, he cited a load of pressures and various things. Um which you know made him hit breaking point i i think the only thing for me is that's a sort of sad indictment of the sport if people get to breaking point and think the only way they can get out of it is by taking drugs yeah i i i don't know i'm i'm a little bit with josh i don't fully believe i think they're I think they're just occurrences that are happening in life. I don't think they're separate from the doping. Do you remember when Martin Fagan got caught? Yeah. So he said that, but his when he did that and he he released his statement, he was like, I'm not after anything. I'm after explaining the reason why I've done it. Obviously, he wasn't as high an athlete, high-level athlete, etc. Um, Robertson's been performing consistently high for a number of years. So I'm kind of with Josh in the sense of I, I don't believe this is a one-off occurrence. Um, I did, however, find um Cathal Dennehy's tweet quite funny. Did anyone see that? No, but no, I that one. I've just got it up. Zane Robertson's explanation that he wanted a COVID nineteen vaccine but got injected with EPO is up there with Tyler Tyler Hamilton's vanishing twin and Dennis Mitchell's sex marathon in the pantheon of doping excuses. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's another thing, like. So he's got caught. So he's he's lied anyway because he's he's taken the drugs. He's then got caught and lied again. So what makes you what? I mean, there's nothing in my mind that makes things I can believe him. So, yeah. I mean, the difficulty now is he's got a twin brother who, like or yeah. not, now implicated in this because if they've been doing the same types of training, so does it prove? It either proves EPO doesn't work or it proves that a lot more people are on it than are being caught. Well, i got two answers to that. He ran 29.02 in Manchester the, red, the when he got caught. So, and I mean, that's a shocker if he's on EPO. Secondly, uh, the way he words that, um, oh, every, like... Everyone's on it. It's not. A, it's a not a. I can't. I don't want to misquote him, but it's basically saying that um, it's not a level playing field. To me, again, 
if you're living in an area where you obviously know that people are taking EPO, you're kind of throwing people under the bus there. Well, yeah, I without name without naming people. I also to say one one last thing. Just going back to how lacking credibility the interview was, he said Asics dropped him like a, a specific point, which is absolute bollocks because he was at an Asics event last May in it was one of, like the Spanish uh, yes. uh, countries. That's yeah. And he was he was there. Yeah. So it is just that's just bollocks. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I always thought that those two not trying to put them together but the two robertson brothers had always been implying that ev- that they knew loads of people were on it and they were going to be the ones to expose people and it just reminds me of a lot of those drug cases where the people who are shouting most about it are the ones who are doing it themselves so what, that's... what, what i do find funny is 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 comment try being me being 16 years in a sport and not having a lot to show for it. All right, try being 32 with 16 years in a sport and having nothing to show for it. You can piss off. I'm not having it. Yeah, I know. It's not like it's been terrible, is it? So um, Try to get a stitch every 10K. Moving on. I, I need to apologise for the article that I read on the Barclay Marathon last week. I got a bit derailed because Josh, looking at Josh, he had absolutely no clue what we were on about. So I still I still don't. I tried to skim read it. Anyway, Damien Hall did not finish. It was his debut and I think he got to the last lap, but got lost potentially. I'm not going to go into it because I still don't know the facts. Anyway, I think it was... You couldn't find the book on the last lap. Sorry? You couldn't find the book. Didn't move one of the books I heard. Anyway. I think a, I think a walker moved one of them. Anyway, Aurelien Sanchez and Carol Sabe and John Kelly were the three finishers. So, yeah, apologies. That was a mixture of apologise and apologies for the shit coverage of that. And the shit coverage in general, by the sounds of Cardiff 10K was last weekend. Home of Josh Lund, but he's in sunny Spain. So, in Josh's absence, Omar Ahmed took the win in cold and blustery conditions in 2901. He was followed by previous winner, Darry Griffiths, who just came through just under 30 minutes in 2958. And third was Thomas Crockett in 3012. Heard anything about it, Josh? Not other, nothing other than it was a bit windy. Yeah. Do you know where the course goes? Out of interest. Um, I I don't know exactly, but I know it goes out onto the barrage, which it could be it quite does. susceptible to wind. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, the barrage for people who aren't from Cardiff is like this stretch of tarmac in between, in the middle of the sea, basically, isn't it? The best the best way to describe it is like two miles into my long run. It's like a dam, but in the sea. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's I don't know. I actually, I'm probably talking out of my ass again. So I'm just gonna stop talking. Anyway, the don't ships go through it sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, ships is extravagant. I mean, you might get the odd the, the odd like boat. The dinghy boat. Yeah, 
<laughs> right. Um, in the women's race, it was Swedish athlete Carolina Vilkstrom who took the win in 32.54. Behind her was Natasha Cochran, who didn't she get <laughs> said that so weirdly again. Um, Natasha Cochran was second. Didn't she get selected for Worlds last week? She did. Yeah, she's the only athlete to be pre-selected. Behind her in making a return to racing was Hannah Irwin, who finished third in 33-16. A shout out to Hannah as well, because I saw her a couple, say a couple of weeks ago, it was more than a couple of weeks ago, but probably two months ago. She was barely, barely back from her injury and she was out for a very long time. So that's Mm. a pretty impressive turnaround. Yeah. Maybe she's been on the cross-training project like you. <laughs> the Now, I would say the conditions were pretty terrible this weekend. But up in Wilmslow, Johnny Meller took the win in a PB. And I was really surprised when this came through because Wilmslow not, it's a quick course, but it's not flat. And... and and knowing what the conditions were like, it must have been a bit better up in Manchester way. But Johnny took the win in sixty two oh six ahead of Dennis Kipkemboy Chariot in sixty three fifteen and Carl Avery in sixty five fifty three. I've seen a few. Have sp- you seen his splits? Yeah, his first five miles. Well, his first ten k was twenty eight something, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his driver now. His first five miles, four thirty two. 437, 31, 33, 37. I'd run a 3k PB in that. So, just after 3k, apparently he went through an 840. Him and uh, the Kenyan. And then what I've got reported here is 28, 24 through 10k. Yeah. Ridiculous. So, I mean, Johnny had a had their first baby brought a month ago. So I'm off you to shame. Yeah, I know. It does. It puts me right in my place. Anyway, um that was the the men's side. On the women's side, Lauren McNeil took the win in seventy one fifty nine ahead of Gemma Steele seventy two thirty four and Sharon Kipchumba in seventy three twenty nine. Anyway, there's another half in Hastings which has plenty of elevation gain. And the times weren't impressive here, but some impressive runners were there. Charlie Brisley took the win in the same time as Adam Clark in 71.03. So Adam Clark was what? Is that eight minutes off his best? I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, has he just done Has he just done that as a tempo there? All right, easy run. Well, to finish in the same time, I don't know if they've raced it. I don't know. Well, Charlie, I don't know it's not fast, is it, Hastings? And then yeah. also, if it was well, maybe they both just raced it, as in took it slow. 300 metres of elevation gain in the first half. So that's 900 feet, isn't it? Oh. And then the wind on the seafront would have been horrific. Um, on the women's race, Beth Kidger... Um, took the win in 76-27. Behind her was Alex Milliard, 
in 78.01 and then Grace Baker in 79.37. So some some fast names at Hastings half this year. Then the last couple of races I wanted to mention were there's a 20 miler. Well, there's a few 20 milers this weekend. First one at Hillingdon 20 in London. Alex LaPetra took the win in 142.26. Josh, off the top of my head, Sorry. that's about five, eight, seven, eight. Uh, what was the second? 142. Actually, I just look on his Strava. You can cut this out. Well, six seconds would be 142. Seven, five, oh, seven point six, five, seven point three, maybe. Um, so five or sevens is your target race pace, is it not? He ran well, it was 20.15. He ran 505 to 20 miles. He did four times one mile steady, four miles tempo. Sorry, he did what? Four times one mile steady, four miles tempo. That's what it's. That's a really that's session. To average, yeah, he, he he's got moving at the end. Those four mile blocks, he, what five minute mile in or less? Uh, the, it's, it looks quite hilly, so it's a bit up and down. He he ran in the fourteenth mile around four forty seven. Well, to be fair, the nineteenth mile around four forty five. Wow. So yeah, it's pretty so, good. Looking good for London. Yeah. Um, behind him was Alex Lawrence in one forty-five oh four, which Alex must Alex I think is a two sixteen seventeen guy, isn't he? Yeah, two seventeen. He must have gone into that thinking, you know, I'm gonna have a clear win today, and then to get beat by two and a half minutes. <laughs> Interesting. And then Louise Small took the win in one fifty eight forty seven in the women's. So she must be doing London too. Last race to mention is the um is it Sri Trim Chimnoy? Is that how you say it? I'm not sure. I never know. There's these races everywhere, isn't there? Anyway, it's a forty eight hour festival. I think it was in Canberra in Australia. Camille Heron set a new forty eight hour record world record. And we mentioned this the other week, didn't we? It was the 48-hour one we mentioned. Well, Camille covered 435 kilometres, which is 1,088 laps, more than even I do. I think it puts her third all-time for 48 hours, men or women. I want to say she's averaged something like, is it 10-minute miling? Josh. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm going to be honest. These the, when they get this this long, I kind of lose touch with it. Are you still confident that you could run six minute miling for thirty seven miles? Is Josh going to be there with my drinks? <laughs> exactly, that was my <laughs> my first thought. Shane, are you impressed? I'm I'm just working it out now. A very, very long way. 10.39 pace. 10.39? Yeah. 
48 hours, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 10 30, that's 270 and a half miles. Okay. So 435 kilometers is what? 200 and 270.56 miles. Which is 10 and a half minute mile, and you said? 10.39. And what is in Ks for K people? Six. 6.37. It's insane. That's what it is. Can you imagine, like, just heard, you know, going to other half, oh, I'm just going to go run to Liverpool and back. Oh, when will you be back? Oh, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> Well, maybe two days. <laughs> silly, silly. It is silly. Uh, last bit of news is, I think last week we mentioned that Sefa and Charlie Perdue had pulled out. We've got a couple of more people out today. Is it Steph Davis and Emily Sisson to go alongside Kira Tomato? So. That women's field is getting smaller. I think... Yeah, my concern is if you're not in that lead group, you're going to be running a solo marathon. Well, that happens a lot, though, doesn't it, in, in the women's race? But, but more so. Yeah, more so. But I think you can almost guarantee that all of the top Africans will turn up, whether injured or not. They always seem to... Because all the people who pulled out of late in in the majority have been sort of the European type or Americans. It seems to me like we will pull out if we've got a niggle or not feeling 100%. I almost get the feel like they feel like they have to turn up because they've got such a big appearance fee. And then if they need to drop out, they'll just drop out in the race, but still pick up some money. And not... I don't know if that's true or not, but that's certainly when you're doing London, Josh will have noticed it. You get a lot of the Ethiopians, Kenyans who who blow up will just stop. They'll literally just stop at like 15, 16 miles and just get in the cars. Yeah. And they'll just go to another one a few weeks later. Happens to the best of us. It's always, always difficult, isn't it? Trying to spot the car you need to get back in. <laughs> It's a bad ride. It's a it's a horrendous ride, isn't it? Yeah, it is bad. You just feel guilt and shame. There's it, nothing that I don't yeah. It's it's such an odd feeling. Like being sat in a car driving through well, I've done it at Frankfurt, driving around the outskirts of Frankfurt through roadblocks, knowing that you should be running right now. Yeah. To make you two feel better. It's way worse running when you need to stop. <laughs> way worse. <laughs> right. So this weekend is is the start of UK marathon season. We've got Brighton on Sunday. I don't know if there's any other big races in the UK. When's Reading? Reading's this weekend as well. Reading half too, so there'll be some halves in the build up to London because this weekend will be three weeks out from London. When are you back home, Josh? Uh, I'm back on Friday. It's also the relays this weekend, the regional ones. Yes, it is. Um, so are you doing any racing when you're back? 
Uh, no, I am done. So what are you going to do when you get back to Cardiff? Just In what sense? Train on your own again. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, get on the Redwick loop, I think. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. At least you've got some data from previous year, well, other years to go against. Yeah. You've done some pretty quick stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, uh, I'm not sure I'd always trust it. No, no. But that's what I'm saying, that you can compare it, can't you, I suppose? Uh, Yeah. uh, My favourite was when, now he's not on the show, Josh, this is the old Josh, he texted me and said, can't be asked to do the session tonight, I'm just going to stay at home. And we we told we even read through the session on the show that Josh had done the session. <laughs> that only ever happened once. Just to it did. it's only ever happened once in the whole show. But basically, what happened was I'll explain it. I got there, I did my warm up, my watch died, and I was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> I was like, "I'm not running 16 miles in and out with no watch." So uh, I just said to Clousey, "I was like, yeah, I hit the paces uh, roughly off what what felt right." <laughs> The funny thing was he messaged me saying, do you think I should not do this? I was like, of course, just go home, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the worst person to text. But no, that's very unlike me. I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, Shane, you up to anything next week then? Well, you know, I'm not a fan of influencers. I think I'm going to uh, try and become a YouTube sensation. How's that going to occur? I'm going to log on to some artificial intelligence chatbots and I'm going to get them to plan me a uh, basically a zero to YouTube sensation and I'm going to execute it. I'm going to become a YouTube star. Right. You know these chatbot, these chat things yes. are not going to change your world right now. But they can make me a YouTube star. They so can. They can, and it's going to happen. Okay, if you make it happen, I'll eat my words. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some fancy lights, some video equipment. I'm going to, I'm going to ride the algorithms, and I'm going to see how far it takes me. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll follow this progress then, Shane. Okay, it probably won't happen, but we'll try. Maybe if you. Somehow, actually, let's get some hair transplant in Turkey and document that. That will go viral. It's a good shout. So, if anybody wants, of human on... hair, you dog hair. If anybody... <laughs> Imagine Labrador hair on my head. <laughs> exactly. It look amazing. So, if, any, if anyone wants to sponsor my YouTube video and pay me for a hair transplant, I'm well on board with that. Yeah. What are you up to, Aaron? Um, not a lot. Trying to feel better, mainly. Ah. And then I I've got a month. Well, the next six weeks is going to be very, very, very stressful for me. Football season is coming to a climax, and. Ipswich are locked in a four-way battle promotion. And it's 90 minutes of 
absolute agony every weekend. Any listeners who follow, Sheffield Wednesday, top of the league, lost to bottom of the league on Sunday, Forest Green Rovers, which was a nice little surprise. Shows you anything can happen. But, yeah, it's going to be a nervy six weeks, I can tell you that. Do you think they can do it? Well, I guarantee when they play Peterborough in Peterborough, which is 10 minutes down the road from me, Peterborough will derail their season. It's just going to happen. I'm going to go sit in the home end with big Phil Martin and Jim Morris. Peterborough on form, aren't they? I don't know. Josh, what do you think? Are you going to do it? Always. (laughs) Put some money on that. (laughs) Do what? Put some money on what? What have you said? (laughs) (laughs) Then I can't get the blame for it. (laughs) Right. Let's wrap this up, boys. We will speak again next weekend. Have a good week. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Bye-bye. See you later.